Welcome everybody to another episode of OTH Football, the OTH Football Podcast. Thank you to our sponsor, Symbol. If you use code OTH, you'll get a $10 deposit bonus on any deposit of over $25. We'll get a little bit more into that at the end of the episode, but first off, my name is George. I am joined by Craig, Justin, and Matt. How are you guys doing this afternoon? Doing great, man. Doing good. Doing well. Yeah. Happy to be on. You guys ready to talk about some fantasy football? Always. Oh, man. Always ready. (laughs) All right. So as everybody knows, the season is just about to get started. That means it's getting ready for draft season. Everybody has questions. Everybody wants to do well. Everybody wants to make their friends look stupid in fantasy football. Wish I could do that. Uh, And of course, with that, everybody has a bunch of questions. So we have a handful of mailbag questions. The first one we got comes in from John Finnegan. And the question he has is, who is the lowest running back you would take before a wide receiver or tight end Travis Kelsey? That's pretty specific, but uh, with Kelsey, that is. But pretty much, who would, who's the lowest running back you would take over a really highly rated wide receiver or tight end? I think that the guy I would take last is probably Jonathan Taylor. He really killed it at the end of last season, and I feel like a lot of the guys that I like Beyond that, I could grab Kelsey around pick 11, 12, if he's still there, and then on the turn come back with a with a running back that I like in the second round. Yeah, I'm I'm with um, him on Kelsey, but I'm trying to take him up a little higher. Uh, I would say right after CMC and Dalvin Cook, there's no reason I'm not taking Travis Kelsey right there. If I have a really good strategy for the rest of the draft, he's just so much better than every other tight end. Um, seven straight years of either playing in 15 or 16 games, um, five straight years of having over a thousand yards, and over he's averaged over a thousand yards for those seven seasons. Um, you're just not going to get that consistency out of anybody, and he just um, he can be a league winner even from the first round right there. So, so I'm going to be a little different here. Uh, I actually would probably take a handful of running backs before I would consider Kelsey because I think Darren Waller is actually really close to Kelsey. And I don't think that gap in statistical difference is huge. And I just did a redraft league where I, I took, I went JT Chubb, and then I ended up with Waller in the third. So it's like, would you rather start that way or start with like a Kelsey and then, you know, come around with uh, somebody else like a CEH or a Joe Mixon? Uh, so I would take I would take guys like CMC, Cook, Kamara, Henry, Barkley, Elliott, Taylor, Chubb, Jones. Gibson, and then that would probably be the list of guys I would take before I would consider Kelsey. I could see that. And then, like you said, I think uh, Waller's ADP right now sits at 25, so that's like the beginning of the third round, and he can fall a little bit too. And then you still have Kittle after him. See, I have Kittle just a smidge lower, only because he comes with, you have to anticipate a missed two to three games, just just part of his profile at this point. Yeah, and, and that's exactly yeah, where I, I was going to kind of lean into that. And we're talk, if we're talking about other tight ends that would end up being available, uh, kind of my go-to there it would have been George Kittle. Uh, he has great production when he's on the field. And I understand he's going to miss a game or two here or there. So if I'm looking at running backs, personally, I would say around that maybe Antonio Gibson to Austin Eckler mark. Uh, Austin Eckler specifically I think is going to have a really strong year. Last year, his, his link-up with Justin Herbert was fantastic. And I just think with an upgraded offensive line and new offensive play calling, I think that duo right there can can really make a difference in, in most fantasy leagues. 
All right, second question. We have from Malcolm McMillan. Uh, do you guys think that the New Orleans Saints are going to be able to produce a fantasy-relevant tight end this season? Uh, they've lost a bit of talent at that position, but and they do have some new quarterbacks coming into play. So what, what do you guys think about the Saints and their um, kind of tight end depth chart? Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that uh, Taysom Hill takes away a lot of what the kind of move tight end is going to be doing for their offense. So it, it, it limits what the tight ends are going to be doing fantasy-wise. Um, also, New Orleans doesn't have a huge history under Sean Payton of developing fantasy tight ends. Uh, I looked at it in six straight years. They haven't produced a fantasy tight end in the top 20. Um, so if anybody wants any extra brownie points, you can try to guess who the last fantasy tight end the Saints had who finished Lee in the Graham. top 20 was. Nope. Ben oh. Watson. Wow. Oh, okay. It's oh. a bit of a throwback. Oh, yeah, I think if they do have somebody that's going to be relevant, it's obviously going to be Troutman. He's like the guy there right now at tight end. He was good at a smaller college. He went his senior season, he had 70 catches for 916 yards, 14 touchdowns. And those are good numbers. It was at uh, Dayton, I think, is where he played. So not a great like level of competition, but it's still impressive for a tight end to put up those numbers. And then he did well at the Senior Bowl. There was a lot of NFL teams that were um, really surprised at what he did there. And the Saints actually traded a lot of third or third day picks to move up to pick 105 to draft him. So they have a plan for him. But he's also a really good blocker, so he shouldn't really come off the field much. He was PFF's top-ranked run blocker at the position last year. So if he can put it all together, he might be able to be fantasy relevant. But he's still uh, a late-round tight end, so you can get him a little bit later in the draft and take a chance and just see what happens. But it's not a guarantee. Yeah, I'm going to have to say no to Trotman. I've never been a huge Trotman fan. I think people... They get so wrapped up in the fact that because he's the only tight end, he's going to be fantasy relevant when, in fact, that's just not the case. You know, if we look back to the Ravens, then I think it was in three or four years, they went Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, and Nick Boyle. And they took Nick Boyle in, like, the second round. They took him just to be a blocker, and I think Craig absolutely nailed that. I think Troutman was drafted just to be a blocker. I mean, Jawan, Win or whatever his name is, Winfrey, Jawan Johnson, played mostly in line uh, in the first preseason game. Now, I don't want to get too wrapped up in preseason and stuff like that, but, you know, I'm looking back here over the last six years of the Saints. Uh, in 2020 last year, they were 26th in targets to tight end. In 2019, they were 20th. 2018, 22nd. 2017, they were dead last. 2016, they were 18th. So this offense, even with Breeze before Winston and Hill, they just haven't really targeted the tight end at all since Jimmy Graham. And when Jimmy Graham went to Seattle, Seattle force-fed Jimmy Graham. So it's, I'm not wrapped up in the Trotman. He ranks 33rd on my tight end model uh, out of about 104 prospects. And a lot of that is because of where he played in Dayton. Um, he has a very subpar athletic profile, and the only reason he ranks in really the top 50 is because of, like I said, the conference competition. I'm definitely with you on this one, Matt. Uh, I just I don't see it from the Saints. Between specifically, like, the main thing that you pointed out and I completely agree with is the scheme. 
They've never really leaned heavily on the tight end position to be a pass catcher, usually using them to kind of play on the outside uh, of the offensive line, chip block when they need to, straight up block when they need to, uh, just try and create uh, more a more dominant offensive line there. And I'm not saying Sean Payton can't do it. You know, he could always come out and surprise us. He surprises plenty of people, especially defenses. Um, but I just don't see it with Adam Troutman. Uh, I think... The, if anything, the best tight end that might be on the roster right now in terms of fantasy-wise or, or receiving might actually be Taysom Hill. Might, might be the best receiving tight end uh, on the Saints roster right now. And we know good and well he just isn't going to be listed as that uh, in fantasy. So what happens if Jameis Winston starts the season and they need more pass catchers? Couldn't Taysom Hill be your pass-catching quote-unquote tight end then and, and Troutman just blocks? Like, that would that be hurt? amazing. So, I would hope so. That sounds like a lot of fun. I would like that to have like... Taysom on my. I'd like to have Taysom on my squad if he was just playing tight end. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like I just don't feel like the Saints want to use Troutman as like a primary pass catcher. Like when we look down the roster, he's probably be like fourth or fifth in line, and I'm sure he's going to have some good games. I'm sure there'll be games where he catches seven balls for 50 yards and you know a touchdown or two. But the inconsistency, yeah. and then when we look at end-of-season total along with points per game, it's just not going to be there. For me, part yeah. of that actually, like, part of that we have to take into account now, though, is is look at the injuries for the Saints and their wide receiving core. I mean, right now, their best receiver might actually be uh, one-legged Traquan Swift and Marquez Calloway. That's really limiting for an offense, so you're going to have to get some of these gadget plays involved, some of these tight ends involved in the passing game to put forward, you know, a real offensive chance in today's NFL. Yeah, that's why I'm high on Alvin Kamara this year, too. Right after Kelsey, I'd probably take him. Just going to see a lot of targets. Um, I, I guess Winston didn't really target his running backs as much as he targeted his wide receivers, but um, he did have a pretty good rapport with O.J. Howard whenever he wasn't injured, so it's possible the Saints can produce a tight end here. But with Hill being there, it's just limiting both of their upside in Man Troutman. And I looked it up, and you were totally right on Jimmy Graham. Five straight years over 1,000 yards, and or five straight years of being in the top 10 of fantasy wide tight ends. I just had him on my list over here, and I totally passed him up. I looked at him as a wide receiver. I just He tried to franchise himself tag as a wide receiver, and I just passed him all the way up. So you were right on that. I think... One of the things with Troutman is, I say this for a lot of guys, um, you know, like the Cam Akers and the Achilles, you know, Troutman can do it. You know, Akers can come back, but it's going to be an outlier. And I don't want to be the one that spends the capital to find out. So I'll let somebody else do that. That's a valid point, too. Yeah. And what makes it even more kind of disheartening looking at this depth chart is the fact that Troutman is your best pass catching option. And it's not as though he's a very good one. I mean, you've got Nick Vanett, but what has he had, like, 20 targets over the last, like, season or two? And then you've got Juwan Johnson, who, uh, again, is in a similar boat where he just hasn't had many targets over his career. They're talking about Troutman being a really good blocker, and that's what they want to use him as, but um, in his last season of college, he has 20 fantasy points per game. So he's capable of it. He can get out there and do it in the NFL. We'll see what he can do, but... 20 fantasy points per game in your final season in college. That's showing some promise right there. 
It's just about the linebackers and stuff he's going to be going against compared to who he was playing in college, too, though. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Well, big jump up in level of competition, not playing Division it's One. Huge. And, I mean, he's in the NFC South, too. you got to go against that Bucks defense twice a year. I'm sure he'll get shadow coverage from what's-his-face? Uh, Jack Thompson. Devin White. Yeah. Uh, Keanu Neal or whatever from the Falcons secondary. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you got the Panthers defense who's coming into form. You know, they basically spent the past two drafts on mostly defensive guys. So it's not an easy division to even be a tight end in. Yeah, all, definitely not. All, all that is spot on. So uh, I feel like now we've kind of come to the conclusion. Sorry, Malcolm. If you're hoping about uh, drafting a, a Saints tight end, don't. Just leave it at that. Just, yeah, I think you're all right. Uh, and uh, our last mailbag question that we've got for today comes from Rumboy's Robbie. Uh, Russell Gage, he was mainly used as a slot receiver the last year or two, or a good couple of years, excuse me, with the Atlanta Falcons. How are we feeling about his chances this season now that Julio Jones is no longer there? Uh, even when he was injured, uh, Gage had a pretty big role in the offense, but now with uh, Calvin Ridley being the number one guy there, you've got Pitts. And now you've got a new offensive system being put in place by Arthur Smith. What do you guys think about his, you know, possibility of, of a bigger breakout year here? Yeah, so I think Smith is, Arthur Smith is the first thing that comes to mind. Is you look at his offenses in the past, and it's produced one wide receiver, uh, pretty good there with A.J. Brown, but the second wide receiver wasn't really producing much. Uh, Corey Davis, when he was in, I guess, not really producing as a wide receiver, two really would be. Uh, and then you have to account for... Um, he, Gage isn't going to be the number two option on that team. He's going to be the number three. So if that offense isn't really supporting two receivers, I'm not really seeing how it's going to support three at all. I can see uh, him having a path to fantasy relevance just because, I mean, you can get him at wide receiver 57, which is way down there. And I wouldn't be expecting more than like a, a wide receiver three season, but you could slide that into your flex on any week and get some, some points, especially since he'll be – Probably the second receiver there. I am going to be interested to see how he plays probably on the outside because I imagine Pitts will take some of those slot snaps from him. But uh, in the four games without Julio to close out the year, he was averaging 8.3 targets a game. That might – I mean, I'm not saying that's what he's going to average this season. But if he can get a little bit of volume in Arthur Smith's offense, normally they have a, a really good running back. And the Falcons are kind of without that, and their defense is really bad. So I can see them having to throw a lot more than Tennessee did because Tennessee is normally in a positive game script, whereas the Falcons will be in a lot of negative game scripts trying to catch up. And they're going to have to have somebody catch passes outside of uh, Pitts and uh, Ridley. So Gage isn't a bad bet if, with where you can get him. He's not somebody I'm actively trying to target in, like, Dynasty or anything because, like, so they could just draft somebody next year and he would just go straight down the depth chart. But for this season alone, I think he's a he's a decent pick and redraft. So I actually don't think much changes for Gage at all because you have the loss of Julio, but then you bring in Pitts. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that he's the third option. I don't I feel like with the emergence of tight end across the NFL, we can't look at oh, but he's the wide receiver too. I think we have to call them pass catchers, pass catching weapons whatever you want to say. And he's third on the totem pole. And that's what he was last year. So nothing really changes in my eyes in regards to him or how he finishes. 
uh, I actually did a little piece last year on Gage because someone in our Patreon had asked for that. And the wide receiver three, or in this case, the pass catching weapon uh, for the Falcons over the last uh, three years has averaged 95 targets, 69 receptions, and roughly 800 yards. We go back to last year, he had 109 targets, 72 receptions, and 786 yards. So it is, he was still spot on roughly. He had a, a, about, what was that, 20-ish, 25-ish more targets uh, than the average. But I would expect the exact same stat line as, as, last, as what he put up last year. That 69 to 75 receptions, 750 to 850 yards, your five to six touchdowns. Like, I would not expect more than what he did last year. Yeah, 100%. I mean, e- even with Arthur Smith bringing in a new style and a new offensive playbook and scheme, I, I don't see how you can really involve Gage more than he already was last year when you've already got two, and at this point, I would say incredible offensive weapons in both Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. I mean, Ridley is show like just he's just putting on a show so far in camp and in these preseason games. And if you watch even an inkling of college football, I know good and well you've seen a ton of Kyle Pitts, especially after last year. Uh, He's just an offensive mismatch in every stage of the game. And he can really be a difference maker with, you know, the Falcons this year. So Gage, I'm not sure about his viability in terms of actively, you know, keeping him on your your roster your fantasy roster if you were to pick him up late and use him as you know kind of a, a flex option or just try and get him in whenever you think oh he's got a, a decent matchup or oh somebody's out for for a period of time i would say that's probably the most usage you can get out of him in fantasy other than that just you know i think he'll be very similar to how he performed last year i would also like to point point. out that Arthur Smith used to be a tight end coach, and I'm not entirely sure if he played tight end, but developing a tight end and using him in the offense is his bread and butter. That's his specialty. So Kyle Pitts is going to be your Julio Jones, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about seeing him play this year, too. Yeah, I'm worried about um, drafting him in Dynasty. If after this year, he's going to lose tight end eligibility. He's going to play so many snaps out in the slot. I, I also have that same same worry because it's based on where you line up, uh, and that's how Sleeper will look at it and be like, well, you played 80% of your snaps out wide. You're not really a tight end. We're going to take that away. We're going to flip it. And then if Kyle Pitts becomes a wide receiver, I mean, he's, what, at that point, like a back-end wide receiver too? Like, I, I can count, you know, 20 guys I'd rather have over him. Yeah, man, I hope not because I drafted him and me and Justin start up, and I really hope he stays a tight end. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah, that'll be a yeah. that'll be a lot of fun to uh to kind of see how that goes because honestly, I think you know as, as a tight end and just as the type of slot mismatch, he's just so big and so fast and just so much stronger than a lot of the a lot of the corners and safeties he's going to be lined up against. But he's also just so athletic. You know these these I, I think a lot of linebackers are also going to struggle to kind of just keep up with him. I'm really interested to see how Pitts is going to perform this year. And they have Hayden Hurst. They don't need yeah. a blocking tight end. Like Pitts can play in the no. slot all day long. So, and I think, and I think there he'll just eat. Like the like if you just feed him the ball. Look, I think that might actually be the Falcons' recipe recipe to success, even with Ridley performing the way that he is right now. Agreed. 
And speaking of tight ends, so this is going to be our, our next segment. And so what we did is everybody, when you do fantasy, the, the way that you really win your league is, of course, everybody's going to get their top-end talent. You know, drafting well there and, and getting lucky with injuries, that type of thing, of course, is important. But the way you really win and the way that you really win, especially in, you know, Dynasty, is finding those late-round sleepers, finding those guys that you pick up in – beyond the 10th round, and they just turn out to be an absolute star for you. So with that, we all took a position group. We're going to start out with the wide receivers. So I'm looking here at the ESPN uh, redraft rankings for the wide receivers, and I'm looking at guys uh, with an ADP outside of 120. Uh, And these are guys that I, I think, I know Craig has taught me, has heard me talk about it like michael pittman still has an adp of 160 and that's just that's garbage that is so bad and so low i mean what? and once you get to once you get to that point in the draft and you come across a guy that still has like legit top 24 upside maybe even top 16 upside and he's still on the board i don't know how you just don't smash pick that one i mean i think he's a lock for 100 targets i'm personally not worried about Wentz. i think Wentz will be back week one if not week two at the latest uh, same thing with guard Quentin Nelson. Um, I've I wrote a nice article on Pittman that got varying feedback, but it is what it is. I, I'm a believer. He's one of my two my guys that I put my stamp of approval on for this year. I, I think he's he locked and loaded as a top 24 guy this year. I mean, I read a report this morning how he's taken the leadership role. He gets in other wide receivers' faces in camp when they wrong the wrong when they run the wrong route. Uh, He's just been an absolute bully. He's just a dog on the field. I I'd absolutely love that. And the second guy that uh, I have is Nico Collins, a little bit like Michael Pittman, another 6'4", outside X wide receiver, can, you know, run, runs a 4'4". Both guys are basically the same. It's just kind of the profile that I tend to tend to flow to. I think he's also a lock for 100 targets. I don't understand why he's being drafted so so late as well. He's it's no one else in Houston that's as big as him. It's Brandon Cooks is the one that I get. But Nico Collins, they paid three picks to move up for him. He's going to start day one. And it's not like Tyrod Taylor's a bad quarterback. Like, I understand the Texans as a whole are going to be bad, but that offense should still function, and it will still move down the field and score. They also play in a very poor division. Jacksonville's defense sucks. Indianapolis's defense is very good. Tennessee's defense sucks. So they have at least four games a year where, you know, Nico Collins could put up, you know, eight, nine receptions, 100 yards, and a touchdown. So those are two guys I like really, really late that uh, could bring, you know, bottom of the bench that you actually could end up starting on on a weekly basis. All right. Yeah, now uh, let's move on to the other pass catchers. Let's move on to the tight ends. I think, uh, Craig, you're up. Yeah, I got two guys that I, I like a pretty good bit. I wrote an article earlier in the offseason, and both of them were in it too. But Gerald Everett for Matt Seahawks, he, uh, they, their new OC is Shane Waldron, who's a pass game coordinator in L.A. So he's already familiar with Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett's got crazy athletic scores all over the place. He has, He's really good at catching deep balls. He's probably going to get put in the slot a good bit. Last year, Greg Olson actually was in the slot the thir- 13th highest percentage in the league and he's probably going to slide into that greg olson role because will disley can still probably be their inline tight end as long as he stays healthy but everett's a huge upgrade as a, a pass catcher there and then he gets a huge upgrade at quarterback too going from jared goff to russell wilson 
and we've seen Russell Wilson go to his his tight ends a lot. Also, Everett hasn't really ever been a, a touchdown guy, and it might be him, but it might just be his red zone usage. So if they use him a little bit more in the red zone, that will all you got to do to finish as a tight end one, even a bat like a back end tight end one, is just score a little bit more touchdowns than everybody else. So I could see him finishing top 12 as a tight end and you get him at an ADP of 187 or tight end 21. And then my other guy is uh, Mo Ali Cox for the Colts, which it's after they brought in Kylan Granson, it's, it might not happen, but I've liked him for a while and he's a former basketball player. He's been learning the position and his uh, snap count's gone up each year. He's been 21% in 2018, 33% in 2019, and then last year is at 46%. And he actually was uh, he actually was near the top in a lot of categories for tight ends. He had 0.46 uh, fantasy points per reception, which was seventh in, among tight ends, and 2.12 fantasy points per target, which was sixth among tight ends. And he was first in yards per target, seventh in yards per reception, and fourth in yards per route run. So he he showed up pretty well last year, and when they were trying to come back in that playoff game they lost, he was the tight end they had on the field because they needed pass-catching weapons out there, and he was much better than Jack Doyle and Trey Burton. I actually have a bet with Sam on Gerald Everett this year. Yeah, you, are you in favor of Vic Gerald Everett? I bet him. Right. I, I think Colby Parkinson outscores him. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> I do. Spicy. I, 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 w- I, w- I wouldn't want Colby Parkinson and and redraft, but in Dynasty, no. That is that is a little spicy. So I'm a- now now we're gonna tackle the running backs. We're gonna we're gonna leave the quarterbacks for last for you, Justin. We're gonna we're gonna leave that for you. Um, but for running backs, uh, I'm looking at uh, an ESPN list uh, breakdown with the positional rankings and overall. And coming in at uh, the 49th ranked running back and 140 overall, this is a little bit of a change from what I was thinking earlier now that I'm looking at at how this list is kind of breaking down. But Tony Pollard with the Cowboys could end up being a real sleeper. I love his just pure athletic ability. He's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. He is a more speed option for that offense, which we'll see how that turns out just based on, you know, we talked about this in our, our last episode, but... The Cowboys have a ton of offensive weapons, and they could really, really turn out to be a really good offensive team as long as they all stay healthy. The thing is, is Zeke's had injury uh, concerns the last couple years. Pollard, on the other hand, has not. Pollard's been pretty consistent, pretty pretty durable, pretty healthy, and I think he'll just be a really good option in what could turn out to be a, a really strong offensive team. And I guess, in a way, sticking with uh, a theme that we brought up in our last episode, and that is Memphis is turning out to be maybe running back you. Uh, you know, you guys can chime in on that a little bit. Uh, I think you guys know where I'm leaning with this one. Is Kenny Gainwell? Kenneth Gainwell is ranked 241st overall. Now, whether he ends up as an undrafted free agent for you, or or just a really really late round pick, I think he could carve out a very solid role with. The Philadelphia Eagles. I think he is extremely dynamic. He is so fast. He is great. Fan- like honestly, 
such a good pass catcher out of the backfield. In his single season at Memphis, he had over 2,000 all-purpose yards. Just think about that. That is absolutely ridiculous. And as a freshman at that, that's insane. And it's it's not like Memphis plays in the best or the worst conference. They, they play some good defenses out there. And I think even though Boston Scott right now is much more high, is a higher ranked running back uh, in fantasy, I think Kenny Gainwell could end up uh, taking over that spot if, you know, very early on in the season and could definitely end up with a lot of the carries with the Philadelphia offense. Yeah, for sure. If, if they like Boston Scott enough, they wouldn't have Gainwell there, is my opinion. Yeah, that's definitely I, fair. I love that. I actually think we'll talk about Jalen here in a minute, but I followed the Eagles closely because of him, and I'm I'm under the assumption that I think there's a legitimate chance that Gain will actually push the Sanders out the door next year as a tra- as trade. They said he's looked good in camp. So yeah, he's had a really good camp. He's starting to run with the first team more and more. I mean, he took last year off because of COVID. He opted out, so there's a little rust there. You got to knock that off. But once he gets you know going and flowing again. Uh, I just I just don't feel like the Eagle staff is committed to Miles Sanders. Uh, he fumbles a lot. He's had a lot of drops in camp. I think he's a clear rushing guy, but Gainwell, oh my, he's going to have a huge role this year. Big calls, George. Yes, I'll take it. If you guys can <laughs> guess, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a big fantasy winner. I just I'm just here to play with, uh, ha- hang out with the boys and uh, <laughs> talk about football. <laughs> but um. Yeah, and with that, that leaves only one major offensive position left, and that only leaves Justin left. This actually might be, this this could be a Justin might be in the hot seat here because these are these are going to be some interesting picks, uh, especially for people that uh, like to take quarterbacks later on in the draft. Yeah, definitely. So uh, the first quarterback uh, I'm thinking of is Sam Darnold. Uh, he's going to be playing in the Joe Brady offense. So if you're looking for a quarterback two that you can get, then has the best chance of finishing as a quarterback one. I would say Sam Darnold's that guy for sure. Um, and that team is going to be playing in a lot of close games. They got a lot better. So fourth quarter, he's going to be able to be throwing the ball, still be out there. Um, at last year, Carolina, eight games where they had a chance to win it with four minutes to go, a win it or tie it with four minutes to go, and they were 0-8. So that, that team's going to get better there, and they'll be playing some meaningful games at the end of the year, which means some meaningful uh, NC playoff snaps for Sam Darnold. So that's kind of why um, I'm looking at my draft. Um, if you can't make the playoffs, you don't really deserve to win the championship anyways. So you got to be kind of planning for the playoffs. And um, another guy at quarterback who you could be looking at that might be a quarterback by the time the fantasy playoffs come around is Taylor Heineke. Um, people forget... Last year in the playoffs, he gave the Bucks pretty good run for their money, and that was a defense that ended up going all the way and winning the championship, stopping Patrick Mahomes and everything. Um, so if, if you're looking for a quarterback to stash, maybe you have a bigger roster or you just want to stash a quarterback at the end of the draft, um, Taylor Heineke's your guy for sure. Uh, I, it's funny you mentioned Heineke. I'll, I'll share some news I got with you guys right before we hopped on. I actually got a text from someone who's in Washington. Uh, there's a with Ryan Fitzpatrick's performance over the past two preseason games and then how good of a camp Heineke put together, they're actually really considering starting Heineke week one. There's a 50-50 chance. Wow. It's not, it's, this is not Fitzpatrick's job right now. Oh, man, I would love that. 
I'm, I'm not saying this for sure that the quote was it's 50 50 right now but they are they are yeah. contemplating it hmm i'm glad i picked him up off waivers in a dynasty league <laughs> that's, I got him in that's super i mean interesting. I, I, I like that I, one I, I like mclaren as just as much as the next guy but you know fitzpatrick is a backup for a reason and mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I i never understood the hype around him in this offense so he's been a journeyman for a reason too yep. he's Reliable will be there for you, but he's not stopping him. Oh, yeah. It's not stopping him quarterback from becoming the starter at all. Yep. So that's that's a situation to monitor over the next, I guess, what we got here, 14 days? Yeah. Like that? Two weeks, give or take. Absolutely. We were talking about the QB battle, what, like two shows ago? Uh, Oh, what, Washington? No, that that was the last episode. Oh, was that last episode? Yeah, that was was just a a couple days ago. That's, uh, hmm. Patriots are having a Patriots are having a public QB battle that everyone knows about that's legit. Yeah. The Washington team is having one in in private that not not a lot of people are know about. So good to know. Yeah, that yeah. is that's really interesting. And in a way, sticking at that position and in that division, uh, we kind of had this planned out a little bit. Uh, you guys want to talk a lot about Jalen Hurts about his ability to lead the Eagles this year and also in a fantasy sense he's not really getting picked up a whole lot it seems his average draft position is is on the lower end um and what do you guys think like is this just a one-year audition for him in a way or is this a guy that you can actively go out pick up using both redraft or dynasty you know what do you guys think about the not just necessarily the quality that Jalen Hurts is bringing to the Eagles, but kind of his opportunity as a fantasy option. I'm gonna let Matt go in on this first. Yeah, he's okay, a, he's so been let me ask. to go with this. Let me one. let me ask you he's guys. Ready. Let me ask you guys a question, okay? If Jalen Hurts last year in his three and a half games, because we know he got pulled in, in week 17, if he had a 60% completion percentage, do you think we are talking about him the way we are right now today? I would if, think not. We might be talking about it like it needs to get better, but is are we talking about it like the sky is falling with the 52? I, I don't believe so. No, no. Yeah, it's acceptable. Okay. Last year, Jalen, over the last four weeks of the season, led the league in passes thrown out of bounds to avoid a sack with 13. If we had 13 to his, uh, his completions uh, to go with his pass attempts, he doesn't have a 52% uh, completion percentage. It's 60%. So he's, he is avoiding taking a sack and opting to throw it away. And that is what's hurting his completion percentage. Because, yes, it could be better than 60, but 52, that, that doesn't tell the entire story. And the people who are saying that that's the only argument against him are also the people that probably use yards per carry for running backs is your only argument against the running back. And you can't use either one of those as your only argument. But that's last year. So we got to focus on this year. And this year, um, I have been told by multiple people that uh, they're out on Jalen because the training camp reports are bad. They don't like what they're seeing. He's up and down. And again, it's all out of context as people reading headlines. The first eight days of camp, Sirianni installed a new offensive system. They were going against the starting defense. The defense already knew what they were running. They were told ahead of time. Sirianni was wanting to force the offense to produce when the defense knew what was coming. There was no no secrets. So you got guys, you got Rager who didn't even show up to start with. Devontae, you know, got hurt, but he looked good to start with. Quez Watkins had a little bit of rust, and now he looks like a freaking superstar. 
So, again, they knew what was coming. We come to day nine. Since then, that I think this was the day two days before the Steelers game, and the offense is winning every day after that. It just it just clicked for everyone. They figured it out. They started running more complex stuff. Uh, the defense was getting was getting moved around. We saw in the in the Steelers game, Jalen threw that dime to Goddard. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw the tweet how that wasn't the originally called play. He walked up to the line, he checked out of it, he saw the blitz. So I saw enough to feel really comfortable with Jalen, and not only in Dynasty, who I have as my QB8, but also in Redraft. Because what I wanted to see was, I knew the talent was there, but I wanted to see that, that not standing like a statue, but I just wanted him to sit back there in the pocket. I wanted him to survey the field, to go through his progressions. And he absolutely did that against the Steelers. I'm really bummed we didn't get to see him uh, last night. Uh, he just got food poisoning, stomach bug, what be it. Uh, but he'll be fine. They got joint practices again this week against the Jets. And, you know, Sirianni said that the joint practices he values just as much as he does his live game reps because this is basically what they are uh, with just without the fans. So he didn't have a problem sitting Hurts. Hurts uh, is the clear QB1. And, and I think if he plays well enough that he gets a year two. I'm, I'm not convinced that this is a one-year audition. Uh, I, I do know for a fact from an Eagle source that the Eagles want Jalen to be the guy. They don't want to trade for Deshaun Watson if they don't have to. They don't want it. They don't want to draft a new guy next year if they have to. They want to build around this team. They invested a second-round pick in him. He has the same ceiling as Deshaun Watson, but the thing is is that they're they're on that line of we know Deshaun is a proven superstar. Like off-field issues aside, just Deshaun on the field. Deshaun is a proven superstar on the football field. We think Jalen can get there. Do we want to wait and find out though? Do we want to roll the dice? That's where that issue of them thinking about Watson comes into. But if they were to roll the dice, I think they would be handsomely rewarded because then they get three first-round picks next year. You can invest on the defense, the offensive line again, maybe even another receiver, you know, what have you. So I like Jalen a lot this year in redraft. I think he's going to be the answer. People like him don't fail. I, I texted a uh, message Craig this the other day, and, and my comparison for him was Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, we know uh, in high school, he was cut from his high school team. He walked on at UNC. His basketball IQ, his work ethic, his mental game was much higher than what his physical game was at that time. But those intangibles allowed him to bring his physical game up to that of the level of his mental game. And when those two meet, you got the best player of all time. I'm not saying Jalen's going to be the best player of all time. I'm not saying he's going to be the best quarterback in the league at any point in his career. But he has those same intangibles that will allow him to raise his physical game to the same level of his mental game. And it's not like Jalen's bad at football. Like he has, He's very gifted. He has great tools, especially you know, with his legs and, and his arm. His, his aggressiveness to throw down the field is what we want in fantasy. So I am all in on Jalen, like so far in. I, I took an early victory lap last year. I wrote, I wrote an article where I said Jalen was going to replace Wentz before 2022. I hit that one. And now, now I'm here saying that he, he's the answer for the Eagles long term. You're the perfect person to get on for that. <laughs> I, I believe in Jalen this year too and, and moving forward. Uh, last year, he put up 40 fantasy points against the New Orleans defense. And 20 the week before that, 18 the week after the Saints, he uh, he got Devontae Smith in the draft. Ertz is still there. Goddard's there. Watkins is coming on, like you said. Rager looks a little bit better in camp. 
So he's got weapons, and then he's, like you said, he's got legs. The, the guy's built. And he gets a full offseason as the starter, which last year he came in and did all that with the COVID offseason. He came in and did all that with no expectation to be the starter. And he performed at a really high level. He Everybody made excuses for Wentz about how the team was dragging him down. But when Hertz got in there, they wanted to say that it was the team's success, not his success. But he really invigorated that offense, and he's a proven winner. He's 38-4 and four in college. And his mental makeup, he, I feel like he can – he can be a really good quarterback in this league for a long time. Yeah, I got like kind of two things to say here uh, on Hertz. Um, the first thing is that I like him a lot better in Dynasty than in Redraft because, like you said, his completion percentage was eight points lower because he had to throw the ball out of bounds so much, but the offensive line isn't improved enough to where he's not still going to be running for his life and throwing the ball out of bounds. So... Um, that's the first thing. And the second thing I was going to say is if Philadelphia thinks that Jalen Hurts is going to be Deshaun Watson, then the Liberty Bell is not the only crack in Philadelphia. <laughs> and I'll just leave it at that. George? <laughs> I mean, uh, even even if they uh, uh, didn't didn't think that uh, uh, Hurts was going to be Watson, I don't think we, we would have to say much about uh, crack in Philadelphia. But uh, that's besides the point. Um, yeah, for Jalen Hurts specifically... Um, I do have a I do have a pretty high level of belief in him because, you know, looking at what he was able to do last season, I mean, he played really well. I think the completion percentage that is what it is. And like you said, what did he play? Three and a half games. Yep. Yep. Like, I'm sorry, that's not your rookie season. This is his rookie season. He got, you know, three games worth of reps on a team that was nowhere near the playoffs and it never should have been anywhere near the playoffs they just happened to play in the nfc least yes i'm going to keep calling it that because it was really the team that made the playoffs that won the division was seven and nine last year come on like it's it's not a good division will it be better this year probably all these teams made good additions but he's playing against some solid defenses. I mean, I'll give the division that. They have a couple solid defenses. But he got three and a half games. Maybe four if you really want to call it that. That's not his tryout. That's not his audition. I think they have to give him more time because he's already proven it. He's already proven he can learn a playbook. He can read a defense. He can throw the long ball. He can be accurate on short and intermediate routes. He has all the tools, and it's not as though he is in a spot where he needs to really put it all together. I think he can do it, and I think that if they give him just a little bit of time, he can really pan out for them. And, of course, part of that is the team has to be not so dysfunctional, but they can actually put some stuff around him. I mean, after Doug left, they go out and get one of the youngest coaches in football. I mean, we all saw the graphic the other night when they played – or it might have been even, you know, when they played New, New England, excuse me. Bill Belichick's been in football longer than their coach has been alive. You know? So, Jesus. Yeah, that's insane to me. You have one of the youngest coaches in football. You have a, a guy who his offense, you know, they really brought him in with the idea that, okay, Carson's going to be here, you know. Or you have to make that expe- or have that expectation because 
Oh, this guy learned out of Frank Reich. Frank Reich's the guy with Carson Wentz. And now look what kind of situation you have him in. So, I really think that they need to hold on to Jalen Hurts, let him learn, let him become an NFL quarterback instead of, uh, you know, a college quarterback trying to run an NFL system. So... Yeah, and I truly expect for his completion percentage to go up, too, because his last year in college, he was nearly at 70%. So it's not like he's an inaccurate passer. It's just he's once he gets caught up to the speed of the game, which he looked like he was for the most part last year, he's just running for his life. I think his completion percentage will easily take a step forward. Well, it will, because last year it was either run or throw it deep. Over the last yeah. like, four weeks or whatever, he led the league in dot and, like, passes beyond 20 yards or something like that and then it was or, or hand the ball off to miles sanders like there was no intermediate game and obviously you know throwing deeper those passes are a lot harder to complete than it is you know throwing a quick slant or a screen or something like that so all sirianni has to do is bring in just that short game to go along with a deep game which i actually think that's his best part of his game is throwing the ball deep then then that then that'll balance itself out now i was never convinced that they were finding a coach for to fix wins because the first guy they actually reached out to which flew very under the radar i only saw one article on it was lincoln riley Ooh. And you don't reach out you don't reach Ooh. out to lincoln riley about your head coaching position if you want to fix wins yeah. so i knew right no. i knew right away that they were actually thinking about making hurts the guy and i believe in sirianni i love what i've read and what i've heard i think i think this guy's legit i understand he's young but I don't know. I, I actually think the Eagles are going to win close to 10 games this year. I think they will be in the NF, NF, NFC East uh, division contention. Uh, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. I don't think this roster is as bad. They're not very deep. I will say that if, if they lose some guys, they could fall off really quickly. But if, you know, the starting 22 can stay relatively healthy throughout the year, I, I, I really think they're going to push Dallas. I don't think they'll beat Dallas, though, uh, for the division crown. But I think they'll definitely push them. I think they'll finish second. The thing is, in that division, too, that it really could be any team. Just everybody's got holes, everybody's got issues, whether it be depth or certain positions. So you just don't know what's going to come out of that division. I don't think the Giants are any good. I think Philly beats them both times. I, I think I think they'll split with Dallas. And then Washington last year, you know, what did Washington do over the offseason? Like, they, just, they just changed quarterbacks. Like, at Philly in week 17 was looking like they were about to beat Washington uh, or to send whoever it was to the playoffs, the Giants or whoever didn't go last year, whatever it was. So I, I think that they might take both of those from Washington because especially if Heineke starts, like, I mean, I don't trust Heineke as much as I or any more than I trust Fitzpatrick, so the offense is not any good. They're not going to score a lot of points. They're going to rely on their defense, and eventually at some point the defense cracks late in the game. So I think I think they'll win four division games. And, and to your point about the offensive line last year, they had three starters out almost all year. So they're getting those guys back. So even though they didn't make additions, so to speak, they are getting healthy. So I think that makes somewhat of a difference. It'll definitely help. Yeah, and I think kind of, kind of going on about the Eagles' possible performance in the NFC East, I think part of that, too, is you're going to be actually seeing him play against some solid defenses. You know, you have to give some credit where credit's due. The Giants' defense last year played out. They played, they, they were very good last year. They've got a lockdown corner in James Bradbury. I think Washington's defense is one of the best in the NFL. 
I mean, they have so much talent, especially in their front seven. And their secondary, it's not, it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. So we're going to be seeing Hurts and the Eagles, who, like you said, they're relatively thin, you know. But you could say the same about a lot of teams, especially in that division. They're relatively thin. If they're missing one or two guys, and this kind of even goes back to what was going on last season, Hurts' best receiver at the time was Travis Fulgham. Like, that's just, that's not an NFL-caliber receiving core. That's just awful is what it is. And if it comes down to something happening like that again, I have to think that that team and Hurts really take a huge step back from what could be some early success. It's possible. I guess it would depend on who gets hurt. I mean, of course. But for me, like I say, just about every time, the biggest thing that a team needs to succeed is luck. You have to get lucky because For sure. injuries and injury concerns aren't always a done deal. You know, they're never like, oh, well, this guy's always going to get hurt. You know, uh, Of course, you know, that's not going to happen. Bad luck happens. Um, and could there be some injuries that are less consequential than others? Sure, definitely. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. interesting you bring that up. It was kind of one of their points of emphasis over the offseason. Instead of running these, like, long, drawn-out two-hour practices, they do, like, a one-hour, like, hit practice so to speak like a hit workout almost hmm. it's just super high up tempo fast to the point like non-stop going um and then they put in a bunch of rest days they got some down days a lot of walkthroughs um and Jalen went to the got sick uh last night Sirianni automatically pulled three offensive line starters and, and some other guys and stuff like that so they were really taking injuries like seriously they have a very cautious approach to that this year so I'm hoping as you said that luck does kind of come into play yeah, when I'm watching the Eagles games, first thing I'm going to be looking for is how they're using Hurts, if Sirianni is going and attacking the things that Hurts does well. And the second thing I want to see is teams have had a whole offseason to game plan for Hurts and, and try to take away what he does well. So he's going to have to kind of not just come with his fastball, come with his changeup, come with his curveball, and we'll see if he actually has that, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But in addition to that, this is a new scheme, so a lot of teams don't know what to look for. Yeah, I, yeah. So I was that hopefully when I, after I watch that game, we'll be looking to see if they're using him in the, in the correct ways and the ways that they're going to put him in put him in positions to be successful. And I will say for those of you listening that are afraid of him in Dynasty, don't be, because Jalen Hurts was not a Doug Peterson guy. Like I understand they brought in the they brought in a new coaching staff and the new coaching staff wants their guy. Jalen Hurts was handpicked by Howie Roseman. So, and Howie Roseman is still there. Now, you might not think he's a good GM, but his, this was his guy. So they are going to give him every opportunity to be the guy. Yeah, I'm in on him on Dynasty, just not for redraft at his ADP right now. I'd like the quarterbacks that are getting drafted right after him a little bit better. But And Dynasty, yeah. if he can make it through this year, that's, that's just going to be a great Dynasty pick if, if he's – anything close to his potential of what he showed last year in that Saints game. I will say they got it they got Atlanta first this year. So we Ugh. at the end of at the end of week one, we could be looking at, you know, the Eagles box score and being like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's it's a kind of a little bit of a false representation. But it might, be, that, a, that might, it might be a glimpse of like the ceiling of what this offense can be. And you're like you know, you find that low point, and then you come somewhere in the middle. It's like this is actually a pretty good offense. 
Yeah, I was about to say that might actually just be an indictment of the the Falcons' defense because it looks yeah rough like that. Yeah, it's not good at all. So no, I mean that's the thing. Week one, I expect Hurts to go off. I expect people to get to be shocked a little bit, but once he plays, you know, a a better defense or two, especially with the pass rush, uh, you know, but uh, we'll we'll have to see with uh, our boy Jalen Hurts. I'm 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 up for him. I I definitely think, uh, especially in Dynasty. I, I think he'll be a great dynasty pick. I think he has everything in his toolbox. Everything is within his power to end up being the franchise quarterback for the Eagles. Dominated the Patriots all week. Starting defense. Like, ran circles around him. And that's a good defense, too. That is a yep, real and that's, good defense. Now, they didn't have Stephon Gilmore, but other than that, and then this week he has the Jets and then the Falcons, so... Well, let's say, uh, uh, Matt, do you want to plug the Fantasy Scouts real quick? Oh, yeah, please. Yeah, sure. So you can find my work and all of our Fantasy Scouts work and my partner Sam uh, over at ffballallday.com or at patreon.com backslash Fantasy Scouts. we got a ton of great stuff. Working on a bunch of re- redraft stuff like right now. we got NFL inside rumors going left and right. Both of us are very connected to the league. We know a lot of people. Uh, we are fortunate enough to report on a lot of stuff that doesn't get posted publicly. Uh, for instance, the QB battle in Washington, which I got just a couple hours ago. Um, and stuff like that can help you get ahead because not everybody knows about that, especially when it comes to trades or waiver wire pickups and stuff like that. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. And before we let everybody go, we have to also, again, thank our sponsor for this one. Uh, This episode is brought to you by Symbol. Sports betting is fun. Fantasy football is fun. Investing in the stock market is great. And Symbol has created a way for you to enjoy both of those at the exact same time. Head on over to Symbol today and use promo code OTH. That is promo code OTH to get a $10 deposit bonus for any deposit that is $25 or more. Once again, use promo code OTH. You can get a $10 bonus on any deposit more than $25. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, We really appreciate it. Please make sure you follow us on Spotify, uh, subscribe on YouTube, drop us a couple likes, comment, please. Also, hit us up on Twitter. All of our Twitters are down in the description. We love any comments that you guys have, any suggestions. We'll be uh, sending out mailbags. throughout the season for future fantasy episodes. Again, thank you guys all for joining us, and we'll see you next time.